0: Thank you for listening to this message from Northwest Hills Community Church in Corvallis, Oregon. You can learn more about our church at nwhills.com. Today, guest speaker Nate Glass is continuing a series on relationships and how we can make Jesus known to those around us. In the first letter to the Corinthians, Paul addresses singleness and some of its benefits, like allowing an undivided devotion to God, whether you're single or in a relationship, you'll find today's message insightful. After the message, you're invited to answer some application questions, which you can find on our website right next to the worship service video. Now, here's today's message.
1: My name is Nate Glass and uh, like Gary said, my wife and I have been uh, members here at Northwest Hills for uh, for about 10 years and we just we love this church and when we started coming here, those of you who were around at the time, you may remember that at that time, there were a handful of adult Sunday school classes that uh, people could plug in with. Uh, as I remember, if I remember correctly, and I might be off a little, I think there were about five or six different uh, groups, different Sunday school classes that adults could be a part of on a Sunday morning. And most of them were pretty stage of life specific. Maybe uh, young marrieds or parents of young kids or uh, parents of, of older kids or Older adults are empty nesters or whatever. They're pretty stage life specific. And then there was one, the Lynx class. And the Lynx class was, if you don't really fit well into any of these other boxes, just go to the Lynx class. And uh, yeah, some of you may have been a part of this class. Uh, My wife and I, we came, and uh, we'd been married at the time 10 years, and we didn't have kids. Now, that's a box that doesn't exist in most churches. We were too old to be young marrieds. We weren't parents. Where do we go? So, well, all right, we'll go check out the Lynx class. So we check it out one Sunday morning, and uh, we, we loved our time there, we, our involvement in the, in the class, made a lot of great friends. But it really was kind of a, a hodgepodge of, uh, of all t- types of people, all stages of life, all everything. And, uh, and we, we, like I say, we had a great time there, but uh, a little bit later... Uh, I went to one of our Saturday church work parties, you know, where they get you pulling weeds or uh, painting or doing whatever, and I found myself shoveling beauty bark next to a person in the church who will will remain nameless because I didn't actually get the chance to ask permission to share this part of the story, Uh, but... uh, Let's just suffice it to say that this was a person who had a fair amount of of familiarity with all the different uh, adult Sunday school classes. And so we're chatting back and forth. This is the first time I'd met this person. And I shared with him, yeah, uh, my wife and I, we've been going to the Lynx class, and we're really enjoying it. And as soon as he heard the Lynx class, he just chuckled, and he goes, oh, the Lynx class, man, that's like the island of misfit toys of Sunday school classes. (laughs) my reaction was the same as yours. I laughed out loud and I still laugh every time I think of that because that is the best description I've ever heard of that group of people. Just a whole bunch of people who don't really fit anywhere else and so we'll all just be a part of this group together. I loved the Lynx class. Some of our best friends came out of that, came out of that group. Now. I share that story uh, mostly because I just think it's funny, but also because I think it illustrates a really uh, important point that is relevant for what we're talking about this morning, and that is that uh, churches often don't know what to do with people who don't fit nicely into a particular category. Uh, maybe it's you know, some of the ones I mentioned earlier, uh, young marrieds or empty nesters or even, you know, obviously, children and youth or whatever. Maybe a handful of other categories depending on the church. But if you don't fit neatly into one of those boxes, often we as a church don't really know what to do with you. And if you're in that position, you might find it hard, like, where do I fit in? I look around and I don't really see where I belong, I don't really see where I fit in. Now, this is uh, often a very real experience for unmarried adults, and that's what we're going to be talking about today, about uh, singleness uh, or flying solo, as, uh, as you might think of it, uh, this experience of not really feeling like you fit in, not knowing where you belong, can be a really a very real experience for a lot of unmarried adults, and often that results in a lot of uh, difficulty and pain. Now, I doubt I'm going to be able to completely solve this problem this morning, but my hope and my prayer is that maybe we can take a few steps towards uh, towards that goal, a few steps in that direction. Uh, we're going to spend some time this morning looking at four main things. We're going to look at uh, singleness in our society, singleness in the Bible. Uh, the blessings and challenges of being single, and then because I suspect, I don't know for sure, but I suspect that there may actually be a few married people out here today, Uh, we're also going to talk about uh, what does this mean for married people. Uh, uh, So hopefully uh, everybody will have something that is of value that uh, you can take from from our time today. Uh, First, let's look at singleness in our society. Now, Judy and I, we've been married for 21 years, so I can't really say that I have my finger on the pulse of single culture. It's just not really on my radar. Uh, but, uh, but we do have a dog that recently underwent a procedure that guarantees that she will be single for the rest of her life. <laughs> so perhaps that makes me kind of single adjacent. Uh, Dr, Dr. Joe Moses, our drummer, he, uh, his skilled hands did that, so a shout-out to Dr. Joe, more than just a drummer. But... Uh, the problem is, uh, as I started trying to understand single culture, Penny has proven worse than useless at helping me understand this. So I had to, had to look elsewhere. And uh, help arrived in just the nick of time from one of my most trusted, tried-and-true, long-term friends and maybe a friend of many of yours as well, television. Uh, the, the, the Today Show ended up doing a segment on singleness, or as they called it, the solo movement. It's, uh, there's this new thing, because apparently being single is a new thing, uh, a new thing called the solo movement in, in America. And this little five-minute puff piece on the Today Show actually proved pretty informative for me and, uh, and was helpful. Um, I learned a couple of new insights. First, I learned that currently nearly half of all Americans, about 125 million people, uh, or half of all American adults, I should say, half, uh, are about 125 million people are single. Now, this number re- uh, reflects an important reality uh, about being single, and that is that there are a variety of reasons why people might be unmarried. Uh, obviously, there are those who have never gotten married, either never will or just haven't yet, but there's also people who have gone through divorce or have lost a spouse Uh, These are all different reasons why people uh, could be single and find themselves in that position. And all of these situations come with their own unique uh, challenges, their unique realities. Excuse me. Uh, But all of them make up this uh, large portion of of our population that are uh, unmarried. Uh, Secondly, according to the Pew Research Center, it's predicted that one in four millennials will never get married. Now, this number of people uh, who will never get married is much higher than it was in previous generations, so assuming that divorce and widowing will continue to be realities and factors, uh, the increasing number of people choosing not to marry at all means that that demographic of unmarried people is going to continue to grow in the future and become larger and larger. So even as big as it is now, it's going to become even more so. This means that we as a church really need to figure out what being single is all about, and we need to have a good biblical understanding of what, what God's word has to say about it, and then some practical understanding of how, as a church, we can be a place where unmarried people can connect and belong and thrive. And uh, that's, that's my hope uh, for something we can move towards uh, today. <clears throat> so with that goal, let's take a look at what the Bible has to say about being single. There are a number of places we could look, uh, but the, the one that I found that probably has the most detail and talks about it most is in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 7. So if you'd open up with me to 1 Corinthians 7, if uh, you're using your phone as an app, I'm reading out of ESV, so you can uh, select that. If not, just follow along. But uh, we're in 1 Corinthians 7. I'm going to read a couple sections out of this to give us uh, some context of what Paul is talking about, and then we're going to uh, draw out some principles out of what he said. I'm going to start in verse 6, uh, but uh, in order to give the context for what he sa- starts saying in verse 6, I'll just explain. The first five verses, Paul is talking to married people, and he gives some, uh, some teaching about marriage and sex and the role of sex in marriage. And then, uh, then in verse 6, he shifts, his gear, shifts gears to begin including uh, single people in the conversation. Verse 6, he says, Now as a concession, not a command, I say this. I wish that all were as I myself am, but each has his own gift from God, one of one kind, one of another. To the unmarried and the widows, I say that it is good for them to remain single as I am. But if they cannot exercise self-control, they should marry, for it is better to marry than to be aflame with passion. Now skip down to verse 25, and uh, we'll continue reading. The appointed time has grown very short. From now on, let those who have wives live as though they had none, and those who mourn as though they were not mourning, and those who rejoice as though they were not rejoicing, and those who buy as though they had no goods, and those who deal with the world as though they had no dealings with it. For the present form of this world is passing away. I want you to be free from anxieties. The unmarried man is anxious about the things of the Lord, how to please the Lord. If anyone thinks that he is not behaving properly toward his betrothed, if his passions are strong and it has to be, let him do as he wishes. Let them marry. It is no sin. But whoever is firmly established in his heart, being under no necessity, but having his desire under control, and has determined this in his heart to keep her as his betrothed, he will do well. So then he who marries his betrothed does well, and he who refrains from marriage will do even better. A wife is bound to her husband as long as he lives, But if her husband dies, she is free to be married to whom she wishes, only in the Lord. Yet in my judgment, she is happier if she remains as she is. And I think that I, too, have the Spirit of God. So we're going to pull out a few principles out of what we see here. There's a whole lot in there that we could talk about on a whole lot of different things. We're going to draw out some principles that relate specifically to the idea of being single, flying solo, however you want to say it. First of all, uh, the first principle that I want to talk about here is that for those who are able to be fully content in their singleness, it is a good and desirable thing. It's something to be embraced rather than something to be escaped. Uh, this you can find this idea in verses seven and eight, verse 27, verse 38, verse 40, it's all throughout here. Now, this doesn't mean that a longing for marriage is wrong or bad. If you're, uh, if you're unmarried and you have this strong desire to be married, that's not bad. That's not wrong. Uh, it could, in fact, be that maybe God is giving you that desire as a way to prepare you for a future blessing that he may have for you in marriage at some later point. That could be the case. It could not be the case. That's not for me to say. Uh, but, uh, but my point is, the longing for marriage is not bad. What it does mean, however, is that right now, whether your status as single is temporary or permanent, God is inviting you to embrace that place in life that he's put you in and uh, to find your, your life, your joy, your satisfaction in, in knowing him rather than looking somewhere else. This is, this is what Paul is talking about in Philippians 3, when he, when he lists all these things that he's got going for him, and then he says, but I count all those things as loss compared to the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. In this case, there are all kinds of things you could put in that category of what do we count as loss. But in this case, uh, it could be that desire for marriage, uh, that like, hey, yeah, that's, that would be a good thing, and I, and I hope that maybe the Lord will bless me with that. But that's not where I find my value. That's not where I'm looking for life. I'm not making an idol out of the idea of marriage. My worth, my value, my satisfaction is in Jesus, and I'm finding that in him. And that's what what he's inviting you to uh, as a a single person. Uh, The second principle is the ability to be uh, fully content in singleness is a gift which God gives to some and not to others. And for those that don't have that gift, marriage is a good option for, for you. Now, the idea of singleness being a gift, Paul says, uh, some, have, some have one gift, some have another. The idea that mer- singleness is a gift c- is easy to misunderstand, because often we think of gifts as like just this fun, wonderful thing just for me to enjoy. Hey, here's a gift. Wow, thanks. It's so much. I love this. This is really fun. That's not a biblical concept of gifts. Uh, to understand what, uh, what the Bible uh, is talking about when, when we hear the idea of gifts There are a few different places we can go. The idea is that, uh, generally speaking, the gifts that God gives us are not primarily for our own benefit; they're for the benefit of others. Now we see this concept in a bunch of places, but a a couple quick places we could look in Ephesians four. Paul is talking about the gifts of the Spirit, the gifts that the Holy Spirit gives to believers, and uh, he lists a whole bunch of them uh, and. In describing the purpose for these gifts, he says to equip the saints for the work of ministry. So these gifts are given not primarily for the one who receives it, but to be a blessing to others. Uh, You could look at 1 Peter 4.10, where Peter says, As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another. And this idea of gifts as a as a way to bless others goes all the way back to Genesis with the Abrahamic covenant, uh, covenant, where God says, "I will bless you, so that in in you all nations will be blessed." You are blessed to be a blessing, not not blessed to just have something great for yourself. So, now that means that uh, this idea of singleness as a gift, it gives this understanding of of a gift, really gives I think great value and dignity to being single. Uh, it's it's not about like, hey, you, you're single, well, you quit your whining. You should be having fun. This is great. Being single is a gift. No, it's not that at all. It's much deeper and it's much more profound than that. God has given you a gift so that you can be a blessing to others. It also gives legitimacy to the the pain and struggle that uh, that a lot of unmarried people feel. Because it's not like oh, you're just not appreciating your gift. It's like, well, yeah, it, it, can, it can be hard. I get that because your gift isn't primarily for your enjoyment. So it makes sense that uh, it could actually be difficult, and that's, that's okay. Uh, the third principle that, uh, that this passage talks about is that uh, being single allows for undivided devotion to the Lord. Uh, this is in uh, verses 32 to 35. Uh, for the single person, there's the opportunity, if you choose to accept it, to experience deep, close fellowship with God, and to be used by him in amazing, huge ways to bring him glory and build his kingdom. Uh, This is another thing that gives great value to to the idea of of being single, is that uh, you have this opportunity for undivided devotion to the Lord. Now, with this understanding of singleness according to the Bible, let's uh, look at some of the unique blessings and challenges that come with it. Uh, That same Today Show segment that I talked about earlier listed a few other uh, statistics and a few other uh, tidbits about uh, being single that I thought were pretty interesting. According to that same Pew Research Center study, single people exercise more, have more friends, and are more likely to volunteer in their community. Those are all good things, so that's cool. Um, A a second study of of 10,000 women in their 70s found that those women who had never been married were physically the healthiest, were the less, the least stressed, and the most optimistic uh, out of that out of everybody in that group. Now, obviously, each person's experience in singleness is going to be different, and I have no doubt that uh, for some people, uh, may, maybe some of you in here uh, who might be unmarried, I'm not I'm not going to assume that these. Uh, findings represent your experience. Your experience could very well be different. But my point in sharing these is to just make an important point, and that is that being single can and does come with its own blessings. Um, from a biblical perspective, the primary blessing is what we looked at a moment ago in 1 Corinthians 7, 32 to 35, and that's that opportunity for undivided devotion to the Lord. Uh, do you want to serve in the church? Well, uh, a single person probably has fewer uh, other obligations in life, and it's probably much easier to make time to do that. That doesn't exempt us married people from serving, but as a single person, uh, you have greater opportunity for that, and there's no shortage of service needs in the church. Uh, find, find one that fits the way God has made you and wired you with your passions and things that you love to do, and, and find something that fits you well, and plug in and serve in that way, because you are needed. Um. Do you love your time with God in his word and and in prayer and want to spend more time doing that? Well, you most likely have the freedom and flexibility in your schedule to carve out large, significant portions of time to spend studying God's word and in prayer. Uh, you can become an expert in God's Word and really deeply know it and get to know Him, get to know His heart by spending large, extended chunks of time in the Word. Uh, you can pick a missionary or a ministry that really captures your heart and cover them in, in daily, extended prayer. That's just a blessing that, uh, that you can receive and a blessing that others can receive through you uh, through this opportunity for undivided devotion to the Lord. Now, the blessings, as as I've said, the blessings that come with being single are not necessarily uh, easy blessings. It requires a willingness to be content in the life that God has for you, whether that's a a permanent condition or just a temporary condition, either way. But to be content there, even if it's not the life you would have chosen for yourself. And if you're unable to do this, these blessings will be much harder to experience. Uh, Jesus has some interesting things to say about, uh, about this. In Matthew 19. So if you turn with me to Matthew 19, excuse me, we're going to read verses 8 to 12. And uh, he starts with some teaching about marriage and then moves into some uh, teaching about singleness. Uh, Matthew 19, starting in verse 8. He said to them, Because of your hardness of heart, Moses allowed you to divorce your wives, but from the beginning it was not so. And I say to you, whoever divorces his wife except for sexual immorality and marries another commits adultery. The disciples said to him, If such is the case of a man with his wife, it's better to not marry. But he said to them, Not everyone can receive this saying, but only those to whom it is given. For there are eunuchs who have been so from birth. And there are eunuchs who have been made eunuchs by men. And there are eunuchs who have made themselves eunuchs for the sake of the kingdom of heaven. Let the one who is able to receive this, receive it. So Jesus starts by giving some pretty hard uh, teaching about marriage and divorce. And after he says this, his disciples are like, wow, if that's what it is, if, it's that, if, if divorce is that hard, it's probably better to just not get married. And notice what Jesus doesn't do. He doesn't stop them and say, wait, no, 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 you misunderstood. That's not what I'm talking about. He doesn't do that. Instead, he actually doubles down on it by going into some teaching about uh, eunuchs as an example of people who choose not to get married. Um, The third third person he talks about is uh, the one who chooses to live as a eunuch uh, for the sake of the kingdom of heaven. These are people who make the conscious choice to remain unmarried so that they can devote themselves a hundred percent to the Lord, and this is uh, Jesus is saying this is a good thing. And he closes by saying, uh, basically, not everyone can do this, but if you can, it's a it will be a very good thing. So he's acknowledging this isn't you know singleness isn't for everyone, but if you can do it, it's a good thing. Uh, it's also important to realize that. Uh, being single also comes with some very uh, real and unique challenges. In, uh, in preparing for today, I spoke with a couple of my unmarried friends, one who's in his late 30s and has never been married, another who is older and has, in the last few years, gone through a divorce. And as you can imagine, they have, they've had very different experiences in being uh, unmarried. But there was a common theme as I spoke to them, and that is that it's hard, it's, it's, it's not easy. Uh, they both spoke of loneliness and sometimes feeling like they're forgotten or even invisible within the church. And uh, when, I, when I asked my friend in his, in his 30s if he had learned anything particularly significant about singleness, I, I kind of was expecting to hear some real profound, uh, well, yeah, here's what God has taught me about the blessings that come with being singleness, or here's what God has shown me about, or here's what I've observed about ways that the church could do better in, in connecting with, uh, with singles. But he didn't have anything to say about that. Uh, all he said when I asked him, what, is, what have you learned about being single? He goes, well, the main thing I've learned is that marriage is a really good thing, and I hope that someday God lets me have it. And uh, that kind of took me back a little bit like, well, that wasn't the answer I was expecting. And i could have I suppose I could have, in that moment, taken him back through the passages that we 've just looked at and said man you 're missing out don 't you see all the all the blessings that come with it?" But that felt like kind of the wrong approach in this in this moment and instead i just I just listened to him and I just uh, wanted to empathize with uh, with his pain and understand where he 's coming from um, it, it's just it 's just hard i don 't think this pain is something to be uh, hidden or denied or run from either. I think it's something that can be taken to Jesus. Let's not forget that Jesus himself was single. Uh, yes, he was fully God, but he was also fully human. And in, and yes, in his singleness, he was also the most perfectly content and completely joy-filled person who ever lived. And that's great. But I wouldn't assume that he never felt the sting of loneliness that comes with being single. Uh, Hebrews 4.15 Uh, describes Jesus as a high priest who is able to sympathize with our weakness and that in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Whatever whatever your struggle is, whatever your difficulty is, and in in the context of this morning, uh, if if you're unmarried and that's, that's hard for you, Jesus has been there. Jesus gets it. He's felt that too. He understands it. And the very next verse, verse 16, says that because of this, we can with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Obviously, this speaks to way more than just singleness, but it does speak to it. And if you're single and experience loneliness, pain, sadness, a deep longing for marriage, you can take that to him. Uh, You don't need to pretend like it's easy when it's not. Um, He understands. He's been there And he's promising to meet you right where you're at, meet you in your need, and give you what you need. Uh, Now, to wrap up, I figure I should probably have something to say for the marrieds uh, here as well. So uh, when I started, I I told you about the Lynx Sunday School class, that Island of Misfit Toys. Uh, I told you about that. Uh, What I didn't tell you, that uh, when my wife and I joined that class, we were really hurting. Uh, We had just moved to Corvallis. We were lonely. We desperately needed friends. And uh, the first time we went to the Lynx class, we actually prayed a very specific prayer before going. We asked God if he would prompt someone in this class to invite us out to lunch after after church. We figured we'd be more likely to actually get to know somebody and develop a friendship if we actually went and did something with them, like going out to lunch versus just sitting next to them in church for an hour. So we prayed that prayer, and uh, it was a very specific prayer. And God provided a very specific answer in the form of two people who will always, for the rest of my life, be. Oh, man, I'm going to tear up right now just thinking about these two. I love them so much. Right at the top of my all time favorite people's list. I don't see them in here this morning. If you're here, wave your hand. If not, maybe they're second service people. Daniel and Natalie Morse. I love Daniel and Natalie. If you don't know them, get to know them. You will love them. If you do know them, you know what I'm talking about. They're fantastic. Uh, They were in that class that morning. And. Uh, having prayed that prayer of asking God to prompt someone to come and invite us to lunch, sure enough, they came up to us right after class and, and said, hey, uh, we just wanted to introduce ourselves, and uh, we we're wondering if you guys would like to go get lunch. And just the most amazing, mind-blowing, like, wow, that is Literally what we asked for, and God literally did that. So we went to lunch with them. We got to know them. They invited us into their community group. They became some of our best friends through the community group as well as through the Lynx class. We met so many of our other great friends, and it was just an immediate answer to prayer that God, God gave us and met us in our moment of need. Now, this, uh, this may seem a bit off topic since, uh, since Judy and I weren't single, but the principle is the same. We were both lonely, and someone saw us and moved toward us. And as we've talked about, many of our single brothers and sisters deal with loneliness on a regular basis. What a cool thing it would be if the rest of us saw them and moved toward them and could be a similar answer to prayer in their lives, just like Daniel and Natalie were in, uh, for Judy and I. Um, when I spoke recently with that other single friend, the one who uh, has recently been divorced, he mentioned that just last week, he was sitting here in church, and his plan for the day was, after church, I'm going to go home, and I'll just watch the Super Bowl uh, on my own at home. And that was what he was figuring he would do. And then while he was here at church, somebody here, maybe it's one of you, I don't know, uh, somebody here saw him and invited him to their Super Bowl party. And, uh, and he went and had a great time, and he told me as we spoke on the phone how meaningful that was to him, how much of a blessing it was that somebody saw him, moved towards him, and invited him to a Super Bowl party, which is hardly an act of rocket science. That's not complicated, but it was such a big, uh, big blessing in this person's life. So my, my, uh, my word to my married friends out here is, uh, who is someone in your sphere of influence that, uh, that maybe, they're unmar- maybe an unmarried friend who you can see and move towards? Um, maybe you can invite them for a cup of coffee or over for dinner, Maybe you can go for a walk together, whatever. Uh, just see them and move towards them. So lastly, to my single friends uh, out here today, the main thing I hope you can hear from, from us married folks is that uh, we're glad you're with us. We need you. We want you as a part of this church. We want you as a part of this community, and we desperately need what you have to offer because you have a lot to offer. Uh, and to, uh, to my married friends um, our single friends need us too. This is this is what the body of Christ is supposed to be. This is how the body of Christ is supposed to function. No one part functions independently of each other. Every part needs every other part, and uh, this is a great way that that can be lived out in a practical uh, practical way. So, anyway, I hope that's uh, helpful to you this morning. Let me uh, let me pray, and uh, the worship team will come up and we'll uh, continue. God, I just thank you so much that you give uh, you give good gifts and. Uh, you, you give them for a purpose. Uh, thank you so much that you invite us into something great with the gifts that you give us. Um, I just ask that you would help each one of us to steward the gifts that we get, that, that you've given us, whatever those gifts might be, uh, to steward them well for, for your glory and for uh, the, the building up and encouragement of our of our brothers and sisters and the world. Uh, yeah, I just thank you so much for all of this. And I thank you also that uh, we can come to you in whatever pain and difficulty we're having because, Jesus, you have been through it, you know it, you understand it, and uh, you've got the grace that we need. So thank you for that. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.
0: Thanks for listening to today's teaching from Northwest Hills Community Church. We hope you find ways to apply the gospel to your life. And be sure to check out our website, nwhills.com, where you'll find ways to engage, including resources like our application questions. Thanks again for listening.